The Start. On Demand. On Demand. Yet another uppercut from winter this morning. It was a crazy morning on the highways. Even worse than it was a couple of Fridays ago when we had highway closures all over the place. We had even more this morning. February is Heart Month, and on this first day of Heart Month, we learned that heart disease is on the rise. And we also spoke to a heart patient who lived with something called an LVAD for five years, this 20-pound pack that kept her alive before she could get a transplant. And February is also I Love to Read Month. So we asked you, which book had the biggest impact on your life? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is off today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, February 1st podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. And Greg, are you ready? It's going to be a fun morning. Oh, indeed it is. Already cancellations coming in on our emails, 204-780-6868. Craig, the bus driver, telling us that already Evergreen School Division is closed. No buses running today. We'll wait for an official word from Evergreen on that. But I would say Craig is a pretty reliable source. I did my very short uh, jaunt on the perimeter highway just after 4 o'clock this morning. Uh, You know, it's... uh, windy out there the blowing snow is going to be an issue and drifting drifting in some very unfortunate and surprising places so you'll want to be keeping your eyes open for that if you're heading out onto the highways inside the city it, there was a plow operating on Chief Pegwas Trail. Henderson Highway wasn't in too bad a shape. What about on your ride in, Brett? Uh, the ride in, not too bad. Um, and since, and uh, I'll just pass this on since uh, we've already begun that. That I've got Lord Selkirk School Division, Seine River School Division, all Division Scolaire Franco Manitoban schools will be closed except for schools in Winnipeg and Ecole Lavoie, Dunard in Thompson, Red River Valley School Division, Hanover School Division, uh, Brand. Brandon School Division buses not operating outside the city of Brandon, but uh, and then we have Alexander O'Kelly and Spring Valley schools closed. Buses will be running within the city of Brandon, and attendance at schools is at parental discretion where travel is required. Manitoba School for the Deaf, no classes. Uh, Toulon Daycare, all programs closed. Prairie Sky Child Center and Eli Mini Fran in Eli are closed as well. And I see that we've got. Uh, uh, hang on, uh, Balmoral Child Care Center is closed, and there's a couple of voicemails here that we'll have to check uh, during the break. Can't check them right now. But yeah, so that list is going to be uh, exploding fast and furious, I suppose, and it is already going up at cjob.com. So it's a messy morning. Now, the, the drive-in I found was interesting because there uh, was some fresh snow on the ground that had already been plowed, at least on the main routes. Osborne had been plowed. Portage had been plowed, Broadway had been plowed, um, but they felt slippery because, and I could hear it falling at least at 4 a.m., the uh, the freezing rain that was Ooh. coming down. 
How was you? You went out for a rip this morning. Did you find it? Because I know that you would like to do the perimeter sweep and the chief peguis. Did were those like slippery, bad, slippery, or I didn't find them slippery, Brett. No, it was more on the perimeter. The surprise snow drifts, in particular, in the off ramps and on ramps, uh, the exits, if you like. Uh, there's a brand new set of traffic signals at Wenzel in the perimeter, and they've segregated uh, the turning lanes from the main uh, th- through lanes. And that was, I wouldn't say drifted completely over, but complete, uh, drifted over enough that I wasn't going to go through there. And so uh, made an alternate uh, U-turn at that intersection uh, versus sort of going where it's supposed to go. I made a judgment call. So I didn't want to get stuck at four o'clock in the morning, especially without Loren. You know, if he, you know, if I end up uh, stuck somewhere for five hours when Loren is here, that's one thing. Uh, when she's not, uh, probably not the best idea. So I wanted to make sure I could get back to the home studio as quickly as possible, but at the same time wanted to see what was going on. So it's going to be a challenge. Just got a text message from Clint at 780-6868. Hey guys, zero visibility on center port and west perimeter. Maybe can see five feet in front of where I am. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be, as you say, an interesting morning. No buses running in Seven Oaks School Division. Interlake School Division is closed. And James says uh, Highway 6 by Warren. Total whiteout. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be a messy morning. But guess what? Uh, Even though many people might groan at another major snowfall, Global's Abigail Turner tells us there are some Manitobans who are welcoming the winter weather. If anyone is happy to see another massive amount of snow fall, it's Manitoba snowmobilers. There's no groaning here. We get excited when there's snow. Joe Thieven from Snowman says this season has already been longer for sledders thanks to an early dump of snow in the fall. Seems every week we're blessed with snow and we've got so much snow. There's places where we have six and seven feet of snow. It's uh, amazing how much snow we get and we're just continuing to get it. So, um... I just love it. Even those who rely on warm weather say the massive amount of snow this winter is better than getting a birdie on the back nine. We're happy with the uh, the snow and we know the benefits of it. With looking to the future, very happy. Drought conditions wreaked havoc on farmers this past year, but more snow means good news for crops and livestock this summer. At the end of 2021, uh, we were in a severe drought across our province. Uh, The snow overall for farmers and for agriculture is good news. As for right now, it seems more people are making the most of this year's winter wallop. Abigail Turner, Global News. I jokingly said a couple of weeks ago that I would shovel every day if I had to in order for that moisture to come for our producers, our farmers, our ranchers, uh, for the water supply, for Manitoba Hydro. And um, somebody called me on that yesterday. (laughs) good friends listens to the show are you happy now greg no (laughs) keep the snow coming keep it coming i know it's an inconvenience but we really need it and so this is sort of a sort of the answer to our prayers to a certain extent and i just wanted to quickly address this yesterday because i woke up from a nap yesterday afternoon to a flurry of emails uh, from greg mackling who was uh, apparently a, a, a reporter on what was the the pictures of this fire were horrific. So how close were you able to get to this fire? Was it in uh, East Kildonan? 
East Kildonan, Kimberly, and London. There was a brand new condominium complex going up, four stories, so it was all wood construction. I was on the other side. That uh, particular neighborhood, Brett, very densely populated. Lots of low-rise apartment buildings. There's sort of a uh, condo complex right next to this condo that was under construction that uh, caught on fire yesterday around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It burnt right to the ground. It also uh, damaged... Uh, that complex, that existing complex uh, just to the west of it, including uh, the car park. Uh, and it was uh, obviously a very scary situation for some folks. I managed to speak to Cam Boychuk, and he says living uh, in the complex, people living in the complex were scrambling to save their belongings and pets. Yeah, and he was talking about cars exploding in the carport as well. So uh, scary situation. We've got more at cjob.com. Right now, we want to crack open the phone lines. We'd love to hear from you to know what you're dealing with out there or what you have dealt with. It would probably be preferable if you were to call us when it is safe for you to do so and, of course, legal for you to do so. So 204-780-6868. Call us. We'd love to hear from you, hear your voice. I know that Johnny was saying that uh, he's never been in a sandstorm, but uh, it feels like he's in one right now. He's at the Flying J on uh, Highway 1. He says the Flying J disappeared, uh, GMAC, and I know that we're getting all kinds of text feedback as well. Yeah, uh, Haboob, I think is what they call it. Is the is the sandstorm in the in Arizona when the, <laughs> the sand moves across the desert and you can see it coming from miles and miles? Well, when you're in the middle of it, you can't see anything. So Johnny sent us a picture. We also have a text message about Highway 44 heading west. Lots of whiteouts and drifting snow. We heard from uh, James earlier about Highway 6 being next to zero visibility. We also heard earlier about the situation on the uh, west perimeter along with uh, with uh, the, uh, tra- what, what do they call that again? The Canada Way north there in the northwest corner. Was it Clint? No, it wasn't Clint. Anyway, oh yeah, maybe it was zero visibility. Yeah, center port, that's the one. <laughs> and west perimeter, maybe see five feet in front of you. I don't use that anymore. And since... Uh, I don't fill in for Brian Barkley in the traffic cruiser. I forget the names of all these major thoroughfares, Brett. I, I got to do some studying. I got to get the old maps out and uh, and uh, and and reacquaint myself with some of these major arteries in Winnipeg. And and Cat in Gimli, loyal listener, loyal texter. I've been, you know, celebrating the snow as many of us have. And and Cat says, happy as I am for the farmers. I'm very tired of the snow. I'm waiting for a hip replacement. Yippee, only two more years to go. And even a regular day is a new adventure in pain. And when she has to shovel, it uh, equals about four days of pain and discomfort for her. So Kat, mm. sorry you're dealing with that. Good opportunity to remind you, A, if you can help your neighbors shovel, always do that. And I think anybody who uh, has their ears on and perks up when they hear that is already doing it. And one of our listeners says that fire yesterday, good reminder, Brett, if you have a, a fire hydrant on your property, do your best to keep that clear of snow as well. 204-780-6868. Call us. What are you dealing with out there? Burton joins us now on the start. Burton, good morning to you. Where are you calling us from? Uh, my kitchen, just heating up my coffee, and i got to go back out there and continue shoveling and get people out and about. Are you in yeah. Winnipeg or outside of Winnipeg? I'm um, just by Grant and Pemina. 
Okay. So but it was uh, earlier on at 3 in the morning, it came down, and there was no wind. And then around 4 o'clock, I went out, and then all of a sudden, it just the wind just started coming like crazy. So uh, the plows were going down Grant and, uh, and Pemina, and it was clear. But now I noticed that uh, it's just the wind is just so nasty. And you can't see cars, so drive very carefully. So that visibility is an issue even it's in your like neck of the woods? To, yeah, it's down to, like, very, very small amount. How much snow did you have to shovel? Uh, I did four properties already. Oh! So I started, like, at uh, 4.30 in the morning. But I have to go around, too, because it just fills up again, right? So, But these people have to get out, right? So, okay. And if, I, and if I start too late, then you're stuck at one place for too long, right? So it's a, it's a hit and miss, just like the city. It's just the same thing. The city's got to know how much snow is on the ground, and then they got to say, no matter what, go, boys, because it takes so long to do Pemina Highway. It takes so long to do the perimeter. So There's a little math and a little science involved in snow clearing, isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And sometimes it's better off to wait, too, because the wind will just clear it. You know, you'll have some clear spots and be like, oh, okay. Well, let me ask you this, Burton. Uh, for some, having to shovel snow constantly is kind of a pain and maybe a, or at the very least an inconvenience. But uh, for you, is this, uh, when you look out and see this, is this a, a happy day? Uh, it's a day that will always come. The grass will always grow and the snow will always come. Burton, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the call, okay? Thanks a lot, guys. All right, stay safe, stay warm. Corey, where are you calling us from? Highway 67. Okay, are you on the highway right now? Yeah, I'm on, and I turned around, and I uh, I went back home. It's uh, blowing, lots of drifts, and the highway's really bad. Uh, icy patches everywhere. Uh, not recommended for traveling. I'm guessing it's not often that you do that turnaround and go back home. Uh, I took a chance last week, and I did make it to work, but today seems a little bit worse for me. So I'll wait till it clears up, and I'll go later on. All right, Corey. Hey, thanks a lot for this. We appreciate it, Corey. All right, then. Feel free to give us a call, 204-780-6868, or shoot us a text. Uh, because, yeah, we ended, we sort of ended, I mean, we were hoping to not have to worry about this this morning, GMAC, but uh, we kind of anticipated with that wind that we are going to have a similar situation to what we had, I guess, was it a week and a half ago? Yeah, I don't even remember because all the days uh, kind of blend into one another. It's been a sandstorm, a blizzard of snow days, if you like. So, yeah, I, that was our concern heading into today. The The snow total amounts aren't gigantic. They're enough, of course. But, yes, it's that 60, 70, 80 kilometer an hour wind that we've seen overnight and seen in the last little bit that is obviously going to cause the biggest problems today. And, Johnny, pardon me, I, said, I, I just assumed Johnny was at the Flying J Highway 1. He says the, the Highway 75 uh, Flying J. That's the one I where he didn't says... I know there was one there. I didn't Double either. That. <laughs> I, I didn't either. So, uh, yeah, it's a very busy morning. We are doing our best to cobble together the uh, cancellations list. AB, we're, we're on our ABCs this morning, GMAC. Always be cobbling. And let's take uh, one more call here from Dave. Uh, whoa, Dave, where are you at? <laughs> Well, I am currently sitting stopped at Archibald and Flinget, listening to a wonderful morning show. I uh, thought I'd give you guys a call. I've been here for 20 minutes now. The train is stopped and traffic is really, really backed up. So take care. Slippery. Traffic is very slow. Just, just take care around here. 
So are you trying to turn on to Plinget or like what or, or what's uh That is correct. Yes, I uh, I'm trying to turn on to Plinget off of Archibald and the train is now stopped and I've been here for 20 minutes. So oh. Yeah, just take it easy around here, folks. Okay. Dave, hey, thanks All for right. the thanks for the update. We appreciate that. Um trains no have a good one. Trains on Archibald. Um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trains anywhere. You know, I've been all over North America, and uh, nowhere, nowhere do you encounter freight trains on the really? streets the way you do in Winnipeg. So, <laughs> well, they even featured that in the Amazing Race Canada one season. There were some they they came through Winnipeg, and that they there was one team that hit a train, and they're like, "What? What is that? What's happening here?" <laughs> They just they could not compute. Like what why are we dealing with this? So Yeah, we have our anomalies, we have our unique uh, our unique opportunities to to sell ourselves. Uh, that's not one of them. This seems like the kind of day where perhaps you would just like to hunker down with a book. Well, February, among many things, it's, for example, Black History Month. It's uh, it's also Heart Month, right, Greg? That uh, is correct, my friend. Okay, and we're going to actually be doing uh, some stuff with that this morning. Um, but it's also I Love to Read Month. So we want to ask you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win the $20 gift card for San Lucia Pizza. What's the book that had the biggest impact on your life? Pretty simple. And if you can't think of one... Maybe go the opposite direction. What's the book that had the the least impact on your life? Like I think of the uh, $90 calculus textbook that I bought in the first year of uh, university back in 1995. I remember thinking, $90? Are you kidding? And, uh, Good doorstop. And I, yeah, pretty much, because I think I made it through all of three pages. That that textbook was a very effective sleep tool for me, as in if I needed to go to sleep, just crack open that book. And uh, surprise, surprise, I got a C in the class. So, Portress, what you got for books? Uh, probably my favorite book uh, was is Lonesome Dove. Uh, it's a Western by Larry McMurtry. Um, I think it won like the... Pulitzer Prize for best work of fiction or something that year. Uh, but it's just, it's about a cattle drive from uh, the Texas Mexico border all the way up to uh, the Montana Alberta border. Um, and it's just, it's an incredible book. There's uh, so many twists and turns. And I kind of had a connection to both areas. I, I lived in Southern Alberta for a while and I'd been down to Montana. My grandparents, I, I love Texas. My grandparents had uh, had a place down in, in Southern Texas on the border there in Mexico. Uh, in McCallum, Texas. And so I kind of like connected, I knew both of the sort of the landscapes. And when I read that book, it was just incredible. Um, also another one, a post office by Charles Bukowski. Uh, it taught me what like exciting writing was. Um, like it just like, I mean, he, he kind of explains it in like an interview that I watched of him once like bim, 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 bim. It's like the lines have to, each line's got to have its own juice. And it's, I never read a page turner like that in my life. It was like, I, I could I could have read that whole thing in a day without question, just like, but I actually just like stop myself um, from reading it because I didn't want to just like power through it. I wanted to like enjoy it in in, in stretches and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'd say Lonesome Dove uh, by Larry McMurtry, and then um, and then Post Office by Charles Bukowski, probably the two two books that um, that uh, had the most impact on me. Jeff Braun. 
I actually bought a Lonesome Dumbeth or Dove at the beginning of the pandemic, and I have yet to read it. But uh, I, I have it. No, no, go for it. <laughs> when you got the time, but uh, it's it's great. When I was in grade three, I was at the book fair at school in the gym, and I saw a big, giant, uh, oversized comic book called uh, Tintin, Explorers on the Moon, and that set me off on the, my journey with Tintin over the years. I've got the whole collection now. There's about 25 books. They're uh, Belgian comics uh, by a guy named Hergé from the, well, I guess he started them in the 30s or 40s and into the 70s kind of thing, and they're just great adventure comic books uh, starring this young reporter who goes on these wild adventures, and I've loved them for decades now, and I still actually read them from time to time. There was a movie that came out about 10 years ago that didn't get a lot of traction. They had planned to make a trilogy, but I don't think that's going to happen, which is too bad, but uh, we still got the comic book, so I've been in love with uh, Tintin since grade three. Couple of rousing endorsements from Mr. Poitras and Mr. Braun. What about you, Mr. Mackling? Well, uh, Jeff Forche, on your walks in uh, our corner of the city, have you ever seen the plaque uh, on Kildonan uh, Drive and Bronx Place that commemorates the paddle to the Amazon? I cannot say I've seen that, but now I've got to keep an eye out. Okay, so Winnipegger Don Starkell and his sons, uh, Jeff and Dana, put their 21-foot canoe in the Red River with the goal of paddling all the way to the Amazon and the entire length of the Amazon River. Over 12,000, is it kilometers or miles? I'd have to double check that. 12,181 miles. And that book is, to this date, the only hardcover novel that I've read in one sitting. I sat down and read it over the course of about six, seven hours. It was gripping. It was incredible. It was inspiring. And uh, it's really a book that changed my life. You can tell us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza, the book that had the biggest impact on your life, or if you want to go the opposite direction, the one that had the least impact on your life. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. We want to talk Heart Month in a moment, but we are getting all kinds of feedback at 204-780-6868 on the conditions you are seeing out there in southern Manitoba. Greg, what have we got? Yeah, this is a sampling of how people are feeling this morning. I live near Sturgeon Road in Saskatchewan. Catherine says she works in Southdale, and I tried, but between the darkness and blowing snow, I had to turn around. Can barely see the front of my truck. Going to try later way worse than last week and that was the point i wanted to emphasize from Catherine's me- message spencer says tail lights yes and brush your cars off people the number of people i see with totally blocked rear and side windows is shocking thank you for that spencer and grant asked this very simple question you and i've asked it in the past brett blizzard warrant warning why are we going anywhere keep your text messages coming 780-6868 Today marks the beginning of Lunar New Year. It is the Chinese year of the tiger. February 1st also marks the start of Heart Month in Canada. In a report just released by the Heart and Stroke Foundation this morning, we are learning that heart failure is a serious and growing problem in Canada, putting a significant strain on people living with the condition, their families, and healthcare systems. The report entitled Falling Short, How Canada is Failing People with Heart Failure, and how we can change that, reveals that despite progress, navigating through 
siloed systems remains difficult and significant gaps still exist in diagnosis, treatment, and support. Joining us to discuss the implications of heart failure and what's needed to reduce the impacts of the serious health condition is Dr. Shelley Zeroth, cardiologist, pardon me, director, St. Bonavis Hospital Heart Failure and Transplant Clinics. Dr. Zeroth is also head of Medical Heart Failure Program, WRHA Cardiac Sciences Program, and president, Canadian Heart Failure Society and Associate Professor of Cardiology at the University of Manitoba. Good morning, Dr. Zeroth. Good morning. So 750,000 people living with heart failure in our country and 100,000 people are diagnosed with this incurable condition each year. Staggering numbers. Can you give us some human impact and context to the numbers in this report? Oh, certainly. I mean, heart failure is all around us and and many people don't recognize it. Um, You know, statistics like that are important to recognize uh, but really, uh, you know, four in 10 Canadians don't understand what heart failure is. Uh, one in three know someone with heart failure or have heart failure themselves. Uh, that's, that really puts it all into context. Um, and, you know, we have to really increase awareness and understanding of this chronic condition. Um, You know, one in three Canadians don't know that heart failure is on the rise. Two in three Canadians don't know there is really no cure for heart failure. Although I'm happy to say that with our therapies that we have available now, that we are improving outcomes. Might be a simple question, but what does and what does not constitute a heart failure diagnosis? Well, heart failure means that you have symptoms of shortness of breath, fatigue, leg swelling because of the underlying function of your heart. And sometimes that can mean that your heart isn't pumping enough blood to the rest of your body, so your heart muscle itself is weak. And other diagnoses of heart failure include the fact that your heart is stiff or maybe one of your valves isn't working quite as well. Heart failure is definitely different than a heart attack in which a blockage occurs in one of the blood vessels that supplies blood to your heart muscle. That's what a heart attack is. It's different than heart failure, although having a heart attack can eventually lead to a diagnosis of heart failure. Uh, Dr. Zeroth, you and I have been speaking about this for almost a decade now, so thanks for making that presentable and understandable in a layman's turn. What is the ask coming out of this report of governments and of the healthcare system? Well, I think one of the calls to action is that the Heart and Stroke Foundation is working with other partner societies and organizations within Canada to really develop an integrated heart failure system that is applicable to all and identifies many of these care gaps that this report, um, this report identifies. Uh, and so they're going to be working on an integrated system of care in Canada that leaves no person behind, uh, apply evidence-based care, access to specialized care will hopefully be improved. It's quite limited and it varies quite a bit within various regions of Canada. 
uh, as we want to provide support for people living with heart failure and their families and caregivers. And so we're asking that people support the Heart and Stroke Foundation in this very important work to improve the lives of those living with heart failure. Dr. Shelley Zeroth, cardiologist and director of St. Boniface Hospital Heart Failure and Transplant Clinics, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for joining us to discuss this all-too-important topic. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. Free agency officially opens next Wednesday in the CFL. Although there are discussions taking place between teams and players now, Bob Irving explained it yesterday. They're in what they call now a negotiating period where teams can talk to players who are free agents. And it's a bit of a joke, really. I mean, you can... You can talk to a player anytime you want if you know he's going to become a free agent, and the league's not really going to do anything about it. So, an explanation and a bit of an editorial comment from Bob. And despite the ability of other teams to speak to their free agents, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers announced two more signings yesterday offensive lineman Michael Couture and receiver Drew Walatarski re upped with the blue and gold. Couture for one year, Walatarski for two. The latter joined Krishna Mel on the CJOB Sports Show last night. Walatarski spoke about the challenges of last season. It was a shorter year, but it felt longer. And, I, and it, I think it was just with all the protocols, the distance from the fans, like not being able to really, you know, get too close to people. Um, I felt a little bit separate. And you, it was like cabin fever. You get a little stir crazy being around the same people over and over and not being able to go out, not being able to go celebrate. Um, it was tough. It was tough. And it was very business oriented which of course it is, but part of what makes a team so fun to be on is that camaraderie, you know, celebrating a win or learning through a loss. You know, it's hard to do that when you're just in the building. It's it's nice to get outside the building, drop that kind of coat of armor and just be able to be human beings, be able to be friends outside of the sport. So that definitely was something that we missed and we hope to have back this year. Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com joins us this morning. Morning, Ed. How are you? We're doing all right. I hope you're safe and sound wherever you might be. Maybe uh, just stay there for at least the foreseeable future as as the roads are in a horrible condition. The list of blue bombers on the precipice of free agency is shrinking, Ed. However, it remains very long. Talk about how critical a domino the running back situation is as to who gets signed and who doesn't. Yeah, it's a great point, uh, Greg. The list started at 41 uh, pending free agents. It's down to 23 right now. But you're right, a lot of people are looking at the running back position. The three Canadians, Andrew Harris, uh, Brady Oliver, and Johnny Augustine, are all pending free agents. So that's an an area that's got to be answered pretty quickly. There's also some concerns about what's going on at the receiver position and in the secondary because there's quite a few guys from those two position groups that are pending uh, free agents as well. Brandon Alexander is one of the key cogs mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, his image featured in at least one season ticket campaign image. What's his status? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I, he got hurt at the end of the of the Grey Cup, and I'm not sure what, where things stand in his recovery or if that's affecting um, the negotiations at all. 
Kyle Walters said uh, last week that the GM of the Bombers that he expects uh, Brandon Alexander to be a high priority. I, I would be surprised if he went somewhere else. But you get this close to free agency, and if a guy's not signed, you start to worry about maybe someone else has, has come in with a, a really lucrative offer. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, there's Kenny Lawler. Sounds like he might be leaving to the BC Lions. You've still got Darvin Adams and Rasheed Bailey from the receiving corps unsigned. The secondary, um, you know, Alden Darby, Mike Jones, Winston Rose, Nick Taylor, they all started games last year unsigned. So um, I expect the club will be busy in the next uh, week or so. Um, but the list is long and there's no way that all of it gets done. Yeah, Ed, I mean, uh, it's clear that Blue Bomber fans need to be prepared to lose some players next week. You mentioned Kenny Lawler, that report out of BC that that Lawler is prepared to sign with the Lions. Of course, until it's a done deal, it's not a done deal. Under the, Help us understand the, the salary cap limitation CFL teams face. It's not 81.2 million U.S. dollars like the Winnipeg Jets have to, to play with. No, it's all relative. It's going to be... They haven't even set the the official number in stone, Greg, uh, and and Kyle Walters spoke about uh, that last week, that they've been kind of given a moving target or, you know, a guideline as to what they can spend. It's going to be around four or five million dollars again. And, you know, that's where it starts to get tight because everybody, especially on a two-time defending Great Cup champions, everybody deserves a raise or feels they deserve a raise. And there's just no way you can fit that all in under the cap. Um, you know, a bunch of guys took uh, salary cuts heading into last year after the lost season of 2020, and some of them wanted to get that money back. And the Bombers made a real high priority in re-signing a lot of their guys along the line of scrimmage, and that's why you see the defensive line and O-line all locked up um, heading into next week because that's this team's bread and butter. Mackling, any final thoughts before we say goodbye to Mr. Tate? No, you know, with all this weather and all this traffic situation, Ed, we'd love to visit with you a little longer. We're going to let you run, but we always appreciate the insight, and uh, we'll catch up, I'm sure, if not on our show, uh, on others on CJOB as we head toward next Wednesday and the official start of free agency. Thanks, as always, uh, for your information, your insight, and your your mild manner. We appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Stay safe out there. What's happening inside the city, Brett? Well, let's check in with the city of Winnipeg's Michael Cantor. He's manager of streets maintenance. Mr. Cantor, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So when I was on my way in this morning, the main routes downtown uh, had already been plowed by 4 a.m. I noticed Osborne had been cleared, Broadway, Portage. What time did the crews get started? Well, crews were, were busy overnight, started around 11 p.m. last night to plow the streets. Uh, we have been plowing major streets, but uh, and expecting an additional two centimeters. But I think the wind is the story today, which will cause some trouble spots and the need to plow some areas, including sidewalks. Yeah, and I suspect that uh, drifting will be a, an issue. So what do you do in that circumstance, uh, Michael, where maybe you have plowed a, maybe a couple hours ago, but you get a report of a situation where a drift is blocking? Perhaps we've had this report on on Pembina Highway, and, and I've seen it uh, time after time. The exit ramps in particular or open spaces will get blown in uh, maybe just uh, a short time after you've already cleared them. Right. We'll come back to plow them, obviously. We want to maintain our streets, major streets, safe. And at some point, we'll have to uh, inspect all the streets and start plowing 
any trouble spot on any streets in the city. So in, in a situation like this, like we're experiencing today, is this sort of a, like a typical kind of full-scale plowing operation, or is this more of a targeted approach depending on where the problems arise? I think we'll, we'll probably end up um, visiting every street in the city. Uh, I'm talking about the major streets and our main routes, our collector streets, our bus routes. We'll have to inspect all of these ones and, and plow them. And we probably will end up uh, plowing our uh, sidewalks along those streets as well. Uh, Michael, before we let you go, uh, who's what's the enemy today? Is it the snow or is it the wind? I think it's mostly the wind. We received around maybe three centimeters so far, expecting two more. So it's mainly the wind with our uh, windows that we have. Uh, it's causing the sidewalks to be plugged again. So the wind is the main cause today, and we'll have to uh, wait a bit for it to die down this afternoon and start plowing our sidewalks as well. Well, Michael Cantor, we thank you very much for the update, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. Michael Cantor is the City of Winnipeg's Manager of Streets Maintenance, joining us live on 680 CJOB. It's been uh, it's been a while since we've had a winter like this. Am I wrong in, in suggesting that, Mackling? It's been a busy well, month. Yeah, it's been a busy month. I don't remember the last time we had a, a winter, a January, December, January like this with so much snow storm after storm after storm snowfall after snowfall uh yeah i i know we, we get the odd text message right hey guys it's winnipeg newsflash it snows yeah we get it but that doesn't mean that the that the ability to move traffic uh, either inside the city or the outside of the city isn't massively disrupted during those snowfalls uh those expected snowfalls absolutely but you know, there are a handful of hours where it's absolutely critical. People want to get where they're going. And today it's almost impossible, especially outside the city. So uh, we understand where we live. We're just trying to help people uh, get to where they need to go and let them know that uh, if the highway is closed, uh, that they're not going to necessarily be able to do all the things they had on their to-do list today. And especially in, in events like, we, you know, we had some people saying, why would you risk going anywhere? Well, it might not be that simple, right? If you have to hit the road, you have to hit the highways because you got to get somewhere. Um, we want to make sure that we can get you there as with as much information as you need to get there safely, if that is even possible. Global's Abigail Turner joins us now. And Abigail, we just saw you on Global News Morning. It looks like you're on the ice planet Hoth from The Empire Strikes Back. Where the heck are you? I somehow managed to get out to Headingley, Brad. I'm not really sure how I managed it, but we're just in front of uh, Nick's Inn. I was separated from my camera person, Rudy, at one point, so I was doing some morning show segments off of my cell phone, but he sent me a text. He said, don't move. I'm coming to you. So we managed to get in one last hit with each other. Now, is it a, a coincidence that you're at Nick's Inn? Like, I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> tell me you're not going to stop and have some breakfast now. Well, normally I'd say, you know, we're going to stop and have breakfast at a safety precaution. We don't want to hit the road. But either way, I mean, you, you stop in front of Nick's. You got to grab a burger. It doesn't matter what time it is. <laughs> Excellent. That's the best reporting of the morning so far. <laughs> Abigail, everybody safe up there? 
yeah, you know, there's lots of vehicles in the parking lot right now. I'm, I would imagine everybody's got the same idea. Just kind of wait this out. It's a complete whiteout out here. I was just talking with cameraman Rudy, who said in his 10 years of doing the morning show, he's never seen anything like this before. It's just a total whiteout. The wind is just so strong and so intense. Uh, Gabby asked me on the morning show, you know, have you seen any vehicles on the ditch? And I had to say, I, I don't know. I can't see in front of me. I can't see beside me. I, I would imagine there's vehicles in the ditch because the roads are just so slippery and snow-packed. But I don't know. Well, Abigail, stay safe. Enjoy the burger. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Global's Abigail Turner joining us live on 680 CJOB. And we turn now to Tara Seal with Media Relations for RCMP Manitoba. Tara, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today um, because, we, you know, we have a couple of questions. We're curious, of, you know, just to see how things are going. But uh, one, of the, one of our listeners uh, asking the question, who makes the call to close a uh, highway? Is that up to the RCMP to make that decision? Yeah, ultimately it is up to the RCMP, but we work very closely with Manitoba Infrastructure and Transportation in making those decisions. Tara, what goes into that discussion uh, before making that decision? Uh, Can you take us behind the scenes a little bit? You know, it's up to every detachment commander. So they'll look at their area. um, They'll uh, look at the weather conditions. They'll look at the upcoming weather advisories. They'll look at what's going on, uh, what they're seeing on the roads. Is there lots of collisions happening? Are there a lot of people in the roads? They put all those factors together in order to make their decision. Any idea how many calls have come in this morning? Because as, as I'm sure you're aware, we've been getting uh, listener reports from all over southern Manitoba about cars in the ditch, can't see anything. We just heard from Abigail saying she can't tell if there are cars in the ditch because she can't see. So I imagine super busy for the, the RCMP today. Yeah, it is. We we are receiving a lot of calls right now. There's not a lot of collisions, but there are a lot of stranded motorists. Most of our calls are related to motorists who are stranded, you know, and I think it's really important to note that if you are stranded right now, you know, make sure your tailpipe is clear. Don't leave your car on um, the whole time. Turn it on intermittently. Still call us. Right. Um, we might not be able to, to get to you right away, considering the conditions of the roads, but still call so that we know that you're there. Um, tow trucks are not heading out on the closed highways right now. So um, it is very important that people aren't running their vehicles with their tailpipes covered and uh, that they are turning it on only intermittently. Tara, a couple of Fridays ago, the perimeter highway was closed for the first time. And, you know, nobody in, uh, at, at a radio station can remember the last time it happened. And, and yeah. uh, a lot of our listeners asking that question as well. The weather forecast today was for very similar conditions. How far ahead were you? How prepared were you in terms of, you know what, we might need to do this again? Yeah, I know for sure it was absolutely a consideration. Of course, we wait until we see what the conditions are. Um, We don't shut it down in anticipation because, of course, that's a major thoroughfare for a lot of Manitobans. So, you know, uh, considering the conditions, it it was the safest decision to make. And I'm sorry, did you say that tow trucks are not heading out on the highways? Not on closed highways. Okay, closed highways. So in the event that somebody, let's say they, they were already on that highway and then they find themselves in in need of a tow uh, what should they do well they should still be calling the rcmp if they're stranded 
Um, so, st- so still do do that as you normally would. Absolutely call CAA or a tow truck or whatever um, your your plan would be for that normally. But, uh, you know, with the conditions, everyone will get to you as soon as possible. So the, the number one message here is, is stay safe. And if you can, stay off the roads entirely. Tara Seal, Media Relations with RCMP Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Tara, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. You bet. Take care. And Greg, I think you had, uh, was it uh, an email, a text that you uh, had in the chamber for, uh, was it concerning Highway 1 West? I, <laughs> I got to be honest with you, man. My, I, my head is spinning this morning. No, don't worry about that. Yeah, it was something, it was a kind of a longer form uh, text message with regard to Highway 1 West and the whole question about who makes a decision and when. And uh, also, this is probably a bigger question maybe for Manitoba Highways, uh, you know, just not at the moment, but throughout the day, I think we could maybe get some answers to this. We live off Highway 1 West, just past Headingley. In the past years, the stretch from Headingley to Portage La Prairie has closed pretty regularly often even when other highways have remained open. This year, Highway 1 has stayed open even when the perimeter in number one west of Portugal Prairie has been closed. I believe people rely on that closure to gauge if we should travel or not. The lack of reporting these conditions accurately is putting people at risk. If you're talking to the highway department, could you ask them why this has changed this year? Is it being left open on purpose as a responder who has to attend these accidents when people venture out I am concerned, and as we and the RCP said, they can't make the they can't cl- uh, make the call preemptively uh, until it's absolutely necessary. So that's one of those that seems like a rock and a hard place kind of spot to be in. So we thank the RCMP for joining us, and I understand Abigail Turner from Global uh, remains on the line. Abigail, I just have one more important question for you before you take off. Um, this burger that you get at Nick's Inn, uh, what do you put on it? Like, is there, do they have multiple choices or do you just... Uh, I'm a big mustard girl, so give me any type of mustard. I'll take the French's, but if you have a fancy mustard, that's my thing. So that's it? Just like a burger with mustard on it? Well, I mean, I'm not going to say no to bacon and cheese. Lettuce? Lettuce, okay. I do Tomato? Lettuce. Tomato? Um, yes. Mayonnaise? Yeah, okay. I'll do tomato. Mayonnaise? Okay, but here's, here's the million-dollar question. What's that? Okay, go for it. No, no, go ahead. What did you say? If it's a breakfast burger, which, I mean, it's 845, maybe we could put an egg on it. Yes. Oh, there you go. Well, and here's the other question. What about if chili is an option? You know, if a, if it's a like a fat boy and the chili uh, comes as part of the burger, are you uh, getting the chili or are you uh, leaving it off? <laughs> Did we just lose Abigail? No, yeah, it was the most important question we've asked her all morning, and then she disappears. Like, she just bailed on us. That's it. I can't. <laughs> I can't take this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 
The ongoing protest of truckers and others against government vaccine mandates continues to disrupt Ottawa's downtown core, forcing some businesses who were gearing up to reopen from Ontario's COVID-19 lockdown on Monday to remain closed indefinitely. The protest started Friday night. Convoy arrived in Ottawa. They've shown no indication of ending. It has involved some demonstrators forming blockades and police stepping up their presence in response. And of course, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says, quote, he won't give in to the so-called quote-unquote freedom convoy protest in downtown Ottawa. He made the comments yesterday as the convoy still lined the streets around Parliament Hill with protesters demanding an end to public health mandates, vaccine mandates, and even calling Trudeau himself to resign. Over the past few days, Canadians were shocked and frankly disgusted by the behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I want to be very clear. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism or dishonor the memory of our veterans. We are joined now by Rachel Gilmore, national online journalist, covers all things political for Global News in Ottawa. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. How are you? We're doing okay this morning in snowy Winnipeg. We have also received reports of protesters cleaning up the streets and also now concerns about fuel supplies for those trucks. What can you tell us about what's happening in downtown Ottawa this morning? Yeah, so downtown Ottawa so far has been relatively sleepy, which is frankly a welcome break because as a downtown Ottawa resident, it has been loud going to sleep and loud waking up. But I can tell you some of the protesters are starting to wake up. I can hear some horns starting in the distance, uh, some honking. Um, But overall, the crowd is much smaller than it was on the weekend. Although the few that have stayed are definitely dug in. Some of them even took the wheels off the front of their truck. So I can tell you that the, the guys that are still there are there to stay. Yeah, we had a listener reach out to us. So one of our listeners who made the trek to Ottawa and says uh, he and his uh, crew are, they've got food, enough for food and lodging for two weeks. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, some of them are prepared to stick it out for a while. We heard from the, the prime minister yesterday. Uh, what are we hearing from organizers and those on the street in Ottawa about what's coming next? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that uh, the organization of the entire sort of convoy has been a little bit hard to follow, honestly. I mean, there, there's the GoFundMe organizers, there's people who are sort of coordinating on a regional level, sometimes city levels. Um, there's people who signed, uh, you know, sort of a petition with the demands uh, listed for the prime minister. But, but it's difficult to say exactly who is behind this and, you know, who is actually sort of licensed to speak for uh, the truckers. Now, um, the truckers themselves have a really mixed message coming out there. Some of them say they oppose all mandates, others oppose vaccination, while others, you know, are saying that they're super pro-vaccination and only anti-mandates. And then others are calling for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to resign. So, you know, basically a large contingent of those remaining say that they are planning to stay until they get what they want but what they want is pretty unclear. Rachel, thank you for this. We appreciate uh, your contribution this morning. Sorry we didn't have a little more time. That's okay. Have a great one.
Rachel Gilmore, National Online Journalist, covers all things political for Global News in Ottawa. We have barely had time, Greg, to get into our contest, which we're doing at uh, in our next segment, that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza, the book that had the biggest impact on your life. Yeah, so we apologize for those that a- answered our question earlier this morning, and then we apologize uh, for not asking it throughout the morning. But as you, as you mentioned, Brad, it's been a very busy morning with regard to weather and traffic situations uh, here on CJOB. But we do have some great answers here. Tom says... The hockey sweater. That's uh, um, Rock Carrier, I think, is the is the author of that. The hockey sweater was the book I most enjoyed. We were five Maurice Richards against five other Maurice Richards. It's a great book. And uh, Cam Poitras's favorite too. Uh, Ask Tom. Cat says most influenced to kill a mockingbird. Eye opening, relevant, brilliant, atmospheric storytelling. Least Alice in Wonderland, bunch of bland drivel. Cat <laughs> telling us exactly how she feels, McGarry. So we're gonna pick our winner in our next segment. But before that, we have some. We can finally confirm the big news that was sort of revealed over the weekend. Before there was some backpedaling that was done. And it pertains, Greg, to Tom Brady. Okay, so we had some reports of this over the weekend, uh, start-stop reports, but it is official. Tom Brady has retired after winning seven. I still, every, every time I read this, I, is that right? Seven Super Bowls and setting numerous passing records in an unprecedented 22-year career. Good, get out of here. Hey? I, 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 want him to, I want him to go. Oh, you're done? Yeah. You're done with Tom? Terrific. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny. I'm I'm actually just started to sort of like him. <laughs> I think because we're more closer in age, like we're. It seemed like uh, now we're sort of in the same generation. Where he now that he's retired, maybe that's even more so. But I was just starting to come around on Tom. He made the announcement in a long post on Instagram. Instagram, the place where people make announcements these days. Brady has long stated his desire to spend more time with his wife supermodel Giselle Bunchen and three children despite still playing at the top of his game and who can argue with that you know Super Bowl champion last year in his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sort of as a as a sayonara a middle finger if you like to the New England Patriots for for sending him adrift and saying we're prepared to move on without you oh yeah are you sure you made that decision Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and mounted an incredible comeback uh, uh, two Sundays ago in the divisional playoff uh, between the San Francisco for, no, it was uh, the, I guess it was the Rams that beat the the Buccaneers and uh, no, it was the 49ers. And uh, you know, they were behind 27 to three at one point came all the way back, tied it and uh, forced a, an overtime. So uh, Tom Brady bidding farewell. I'm just looking at the Instagram post right now, and it's funny uh, because it's, it t- shows you like if someone you follow has liked the post, uh, and it says liked by uh, Gabrielle S. Marchand. So <laughs> I, can, I can understand why uh, Gabby would like Tom Brady. Look, the, I don't hate the guy, okay? He's just he's, – he is – He's the Michael Jordan of the NFL, and actually he, I believe, is going to be the subject of the next 
last dance style documentary that they're doing. They did one on Michael Jordan, who is arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. And if you haven't watched that documentary, The Last Dance, you can. It's on uh, Netflix. But uh, it was a great, great series on uh, Michael Jordan's final season. But, um, you know, I, I... Liked, I respected Michael Jordan, but I was never a fan of the Chicago Bulls. So needless to say, it was a painful time to be a basketball fan when Michael Jordan and the Bulls won six championships. And Tom Brady, I I guess I just rooted... Well, for one, I do not like Bill Belichick, and I hated Mm -hmm. the Patriots. So that's Mm -hmm. why I cheered against Brady. But I think I just cheered against him partly because he, he was like that... That monster you just can't shake. You know, anytime Tom Brady's in a game, you you cannot rule him out. And when the no when question. he went when he lost the other day, I was it was I just felt this relief. And I don't know why. Like I have no nothing invested in the NFL and these teams, but Tom, there's something about cheering against Tom Brady. It's like you are, you got seven rings. You don't need any Go away already. It's time for you to Step out while he's doing that. And for me, it was sort of the flip side at the beginning of his career. He was the 199th player uh, chosen in his draft year. I think he was the sixth, if not seventh quarterback taken in his draft year. And this all began, his march to seven Super Bowls began on a play that if you ask any Oakland Raiders fan was a fumble. (laughs) Look up the tuck game. And to, to refresh your memory if you need it. And so that's part of the reason why I always resented him. Is like, you fumbled the ball in this playoff game against the Raiders. You go on to win the Super Bowl. And in this incredible career that might have never been otherwise uh, is begun. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a divisive figure for such an incredible athlete. And he's perfectly handsome, and he's got a oh, hot he's got wife, more and he's got over years. Oh. I know, like he doesn't Give seem a- to age, and he's got you know he's super super rich. So yes, uh, maybe a little bit of envy and jealousy, and yes, of course, uh, tremendous respect for one of the greatest of all time in any sport, Tom Brady. Uh, wonderful career to him, and I'm glad he is not coming back. We are asking you. At 204-780-6868. About the books that had a big impact on your life, maybe the biggest impact. Because, hey, it's I Love to Read Month, and we're actually going to be launching an exciting uh, series tomorrow featuring some great local authors. But we want to know about the book that had the biggest impact on your life. And one listener says, Shakespeare ruined my high school days, now ruining my son's life. <laughs> I never got it. I never got the Shakespeare, so... No, you never got into it? No, I, I, I'm not good with poetry and anything like that, so that that kind of language. So, yeah, I would like to because uh, the stories are good, but just reading them is a bit of a slog for me. So yeah, sorry if that's a- blasphemous for anybody out there. Uh, well, you're probably going to have people uh, on diametric opposite sides on that one, Brett. Uh, Andy said, I started reading Paddle to the Amazon just last week. That was my book that I cited just before seven o'clock. And Andy says, be uh, sure to read uh, Dan Starkel's or Don Starkel's other book, Paddle to the Arctic. It's every bit as good. And Andy's even offered to lend me his copy of Paddle to the Arctic. Well, isn't that kind? Um, our winner is Karen. And Karen says, In Search of April Raintree is the book. I first read it as a teenager. 
in high school with an English teacher who was wise enough to listen to us when we responded with our hearts. Local content in a time of my life when everything seemed unfair and uncertain. Our teacher allowed us to discuss traumatic shared history and mental health. It was hard to read and it stayed with me as I continued to learn more about injustice and intergenerational impact. As an adult, I've been gifted this book twice and I've reread it with a new sense of awe and respect for the author. Karen, what a a wonderful text. Thank you for that. Yes, uh, In Search of April Raintree was uh, written by Beatrice uh, Moissonnier, who was born in St. Boniface and um, she wrote this book following the death of two sisters to suicide. So this... uh, Sounds like it's a powerful book, and Karen, it's had a powerful impact in your life. So, you get the pizza. Congratulations. Earlier this morning, we discussed a report released today by the Heart and Stroke Foundation. The report, entitled Falling Short, How Canada is Failing People with Heart Failure and How We Can Change That, reveals that despite progress, navigating through siloed systems remains difficult and significant gaps still exist in diagnosis, treatment, and support. 750,000 Canadians have been diagnosed With heart failure, Brett, 100,000 Canadians per year is the number that report suggests are receiving that diagnosis every single year. The report also highlights the fact that heart failure is a serious and growing problem in our country, putting a significant strain on people living with the condition, their family, and healthcare systems. Our next guest is living life with heart failure. In 2012, she suffered a heart attack, stroke, and pulmonary embolism. After a few more crises and extended hospitalizations, she had a left ventricle assist device, it's known as an LVAD, implanted into her chest. That LVAD helps pump blood from the lower left heart chamber to the rest of the body. We say good morning to Barb Barb Colomi. Hi, Barb. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you guys? It's great to hear your voice. Before you tell us about life with an LVAD, what was happening with your heart health? to get you to the point where you were eligible for this incredible technology? Well, essentially, um, after I had my heart attack, the, the medical interventions such as quadruple bypass and other measures they took did not bring my heart function back to where it needed to be. Um, so really the only avenue available to me, thankfully, was the LVAD, um, so I was very lucky to receive it. Um, but it was also only a bridge to a transplant, a heart transplant. Um, so I did live with the LVAD for five years until I received my heart transplant. So tell us about an LVAD and what it was like living with one. <laughs> well, it was very interesting. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's technically a machine. I mean, there's two components to it, right? There's the internal component, which is essentially like it's, it's like an invisible life preserver is the way I like to look at it because what you don't see working for you, you don't think about, right? It's, it's keeping you alive, uh, you know, a pump that's attached to the inside of your heart. Um, and so you, you only see the external portion that is the battery pack that, I would carry with me in a backpack and I would run on batteries during the day 
And then at night, I would plug in to uh, AC power in the wall. So I, I was like, I, I guess, like a robot, you might want to say. Um, so life was really interesting. It, it got me into a few situations where if I was out and about um, during the day and my batteries would beep on me, warning me that uh, I was on low batteries, I would have to say, sorry, everybody, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> got to get home, charge myself. How big is that LVAD? I've seen one myself, but for those that have never seen one, what, is, what does it look like? It, well, um, like the, the external portion, do you mean? Yes, the external yes. portion. Sorry, yeah, the, Barb. So the external portion itself is, is not very big. I would say it's, um, you know, it's sort of oval in shape. It's rough. It's under 12 inches all the way around in diameter. Um, but the batteries are what's quite heavy, and mm-hmm. those those are almost I would liken them to the old-fashioned days of the very first um, cellular phones that came out, like twice the size of them. So the whole the whole package probably weighed about 20 pounds. So I would carry about 20 pounds in my backpack. So um, yeah, that that was really interesting. I would uh, people were were quite curious about me especially when I was at the gym walking around with this backpack with a with a cord of course coming out of my my bag because that cord then attached to through my stomach right a hole in my stomach Mm -hmm. so it it quite remarkable when you think about it but it was at the same time people were really curious about it and and it could be almost frightening in a way right but um, for me, it was my lifeline, and um, I couldn't have lived without it for those five years. I just couldn't have. Yeah, so that LVAD is, uh, and I think you'll agree with me on this, Barb, an incredible example of research, healthcare, and technology coming all together. But as you mentioned, it is that stopgap measure. So in yes. 2016, I think the year is, you received a heart transplant. What was it like waiting for four years, not only for you, because sometimes I think we forget about the people around those that are in certain health predicaments. Yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting. Um, really, at some point, you, you just have to, you just learn to live life. You know, it's, it's not like I sat by the phone waiting every day. Is the phone going to ring? Am I going to get that phone call from Edmonton, which is where I would have went um, to have my transplant? Um, <clears throat> You know, it, it really didn't go like that. But, um, you know, you just you learn to just live your life. Um, and, and it really does just happen that the phone rings one day and, you know, it, it happens just on a dime and you expect it out of absolutely nowhere that you get the phone call. You know, so life just really, I lived my life every day and I didn't think about it. You know, I just didn't really uh, give it a whole lot of thought until until the last little bit where things did go wrong with my LVAD. I was starting to experience some electrical problems, and I had to go back into the hospital and stay there and go up to the top of the, the wait list for a heart. So then that, that changed um, the scenario quite a bit for me. But up until then, I really didn't think about it. I lived life quite normally. 
Our guest is Barb Colomi. She is joining us to tell us about the left ventricle assist device, which helped pump blood from the lower left heart chamber to the rest of her body. And she carried this thing around with her, the LVAD, for, uh, you said, five years. How So has it been smooth sailing since the transplant? Smooth sailing, yeah. Yeah, very, uh, the heart. Uh, I go for regular checkups, um, you know, usually every six months. Um, sometimes less with the pandemic now. We just do sometimes some telephone uh, checkups because uh, I guess they would call me sometimes a boring patient where everything with the heart is going pretty well. And now I'm five and a half years in post-transplant and um, my my wonderful new lovely heart is seems to be treating me just very kindly, I'm happy to say. Oh, it sounds wonderful to hear you say it. And we can hear the joy and the gratefulness in your voice. Uh, have there been challenges along the way? And, and how have you been dealing with COVID? I know this has been tough for a lot of people, but uh, you're in a little bit of a different category, I suspect, uh, as it pertains to pre-existing conditions and, and having to be careful about uh, who you're in contact with, etc. Yeah, well, I certainly have to be very honest about that. And, and um, you know, as being a heart transplant recipient, you have to take immunosuppression drugs, right, that suppresses your immune system. So then that means that you can catch pretty much any sort of a virus or anything that comes along. And so with COVID now in the picture, that really was... Um, a, a, a very scary time for me, and it still is. Two and a half years in, I'm learning to deal with it a little bit more. However, you know, the first year was very difficult for me emotionally. Um, you know, I, I have to be quite honest. It, it did a real um, 100% downgrade on my mental health, the anxiety, um, even the fear of being out. You know, I put my gym membership on hold. I, I just exercised at home. I didn't go out a lot. I kept my circle very small. Um, and, and I had to do all of those things for myself and even for my family, you know, ensuring everybody was vaccinated um, as well as myself, of course. And, you know, still two and a half years in with the pandemic, it 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 um, it doesn't change things for me. Although I am now starting to look at things, because with the pandemic now we're seeing things aren't going to change a whole lot. I'm going to have to change my perspective um, a little bit now, but still realize that as a person who's um, you know not like you or anybody else, I have to be careful. Well. It's, we're so glad to hear that it's gone well for you. Uh, your, your love of life is infectious, and we very much appreciate that you took some time to speak with us, Barb. Before I let you go, I uh, just wanted to follow up on the gym. When you're carrying 20 pounds around on your back, you know, one could argue that you, who needs a gym membership? You're probably, st- <laughs> you're probably stronger than the rest of us already. I don't know about that, but it definitely, it definitely uh, maybe gave me a stronger back. Yeah. Well, then the second question is when that thing finally came off, did it, it? Did you find it weird, like you were off balance or off kilter? You know, it 
very interesting. Um, it was almost like a psychological thing. First of all, it, it definitely affected my back. Um, I, I found that I had a bit of a hunch. And, mm. and I guess that was because I carried that backpack for so long, right? Almost five years. And um, I really had to sort of be mindful of my posture after that because I definitely had a hunch. And the second thing that was even more um, interesting was like a psychological thing because the bag, my backpack, was like a, a second part of me really, right? When it was gone, I, I found that I was always looking for it and wanting to put it on and take it off when I sat down. So when it was gone... I went through a period of probably a couple of months where it was, I found it so strange that it just wasn't there anymore. Wonderful, very, very, wonderful very description. The wonderful yeah. description and uh, the literal, uh, if not the proverbial uh, monkey off your back. Thank exactly. you for this, Barb. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you and uh, congratulations. And we appreciate you uh, sharing your, your experiences on this uh, special day as we kick off Heart Month. Well, thank you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, uh, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.